For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Good day. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen DeVere. We're from Internet Comedy Powerhouse, Loading Ready Run. And if you are listening to the radio expecting to hear about butts, you are listening to the wrong show. This is The Geek Show, which is much cooler but has far fewer behinds. You're looking for The Butt Show. It's on the other side. I say, it is 1700 hours on this beautiful bomb-free night in Blighty this Sunday. It is time, of course, for the Geek Show to spread to all across the nation good news and culture and discussions of, of geeky varieties. This week, talking about past versus present. Hello. 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 So, by, the, by these joking top hats we have, what have we on the stuff of the evening for this evening? There's tea and scones. Presents. Texting and scones. Yes, tea and scones. And a pipe. <laughs> and presents. Oh, we may not have tea and scones, but we do have tea <laughs> and adorable cupcakes. Yes, it's... we have Pac-Man cupcakes. Seriously, check our Twitter. We, we, it was a complete surprise. Israel's arranged before, yeah. and neither of us knew it. But uh, neither me or Rob knew it. But Mika Cheese Yum Yums came by with some adorable <laughs> Pac-Man cupcakes. Uh, she did try making the Geek Show cupcakes first. Oh my! But yeah. our logo is pretty intricate. I suppose for small amounts of icing. Yeah, we'll she's have to see. with stuff like this. <laughs> And she made a she made a portal cake. It was a, a companion cube. She showed us on her phone. So that's, that's the a, cake was not a lie. No, it, so it was like nor was it eaten. It was it, it was <laughs> eaten. It was a full size like cake as well, which which was very well done on it's her behalf. Awesome. So yes, Cakey Deska. She's got a new business <laughs> and it's starting up here. So go to mikasyumyums dot com to see more. Uh, Mikachi's yum yums. Mikachi. Yeah. M I K A C I S. Yes, Mikachi. Um, where are we? 
Yes. <laughs> We're in the radio studio. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Very well. <laughs> Go, play. Okay, how have you been, Israel? It's been a, a week. <laughs> yeah, it's been a week. <laughs> Israel has recovered from his bout of laughing last week. Yeah, that, good, that was good. brilliant. Angelina Jolie uh, suction cups. Oh man, I, wa- I watched Sucker Punch last night and I realised that... <laughs> what you thought of Angelina Jolie? <laughs> no, I thought that the main character, Baby Doll, totally has the same lip problem going on. <laughs> oh God. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, that, uh, that already has burlesque in it. Exactly. It would the be... last thing it needs is that. How easy would it be to do a crossover and just have a weird, like, comedic, pseudo-sexy building climbing with Tom Cruise and... <laughs> Absolutely. See, I, I, I did mention it last week. There is a Japanese fella somewhere in Japan who's just listening in to this show and getting ideas for, like, Tenga products and stuff like that. Oh, God. <laughs> it might be that guy with the, uh, the uh, fake uh, Geek Show website. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Tenga, if you want us to, like, co-design a product with you, we're fine for that because you're like a big company. (laughs) (laughs) You're like a big company? (laughs) They are. It's just somewhat intimidating. You think of something that they produce being that big and professional over here. It's not something we tend to do. They're so elegant about it. It's weird. I have no idea what you're talking about, Harry. You know what Tenga is, so I reckon you do. So, <laughs> I've, I've been okay. I've been playing uh, some more Disco 4, and then I discovered that the PS3 has its own equivalent of a Red Ring of Death. I didn't know about this. It's like the yellow light of death. It's when oh, really? you, if you overplay a PS3 and it overheats, yep. it can, the soldering can actually melt on one of the circuit boards well, yes. I didn't realize. and detach one chip from it. Yep. Uh, so going to have to take that into town when it isn't the weekend and get that fixed. Is it uh, original PS3 or slimline? Uh, it can play PS2 games. It's got a large amount of memory. It's not one of the new, new ones. Is it, a, does it, have like, is it big and chunky? It's quite chunky. Quite chunky, but does it have like silver, chromish type stuff on it? It's mostly black. Mostly black. Does it have any silver on it? Little bits of silver. Like around the edges. Might be one of the old ones then. Mm-hmm. Sounds like me with all my piercings. <laughs> it's t- <laughs> yeah, Israel does have a lot of piercings. Did, we don't want to know where. Did I didn't? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't call. Oh man, I just realised what you meant. No, it's it's demeaning to call yourself black and chunky with silver all over. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are reasonably skinny. No, 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 trim. no, no. Trim, you're trim. Uh, uh, Bob Moss's word of the week. He's svelte. Svelte? <laughs> yes. What? I have no idea. Bob suddenly started saying it on Literary Loitering uh, on he, Tuesday. And <laughs> like, he's svelte? Is he vulnerable to Velcro? I don't know. Svelte <laughs> apparently is a word that you can use to describe people and animals. I always thought it meant, like, you know, he's, like, sleek and furry, but... <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Speaking of which, we're going to confuzzle later in the year, so... <laughs> <laughs> If you're svelte and you're going to confuzzled, let us know. <laughs> if you would like us to produce a t-shirt with the word svelte on it somehow, let us know and I'll come and bring some along. Because I booked a dealer's table. Yes, <laughs> yes I am svelte, like the geek show. Should be awesome fun. <laughs> the ge- get svelte with the geek show. Yes. Anyway, uh, we do have news. Oh, God, yes. Okay, moving on to the news. <laughs> yes, obviously, the lead story has to be Runaway! Because it's a friggin' asteroid, meteor, yeah. meteor in Russia. The size yeah. of a uh, bus, apparently. Yeah, yeah. 15 metres across in width. Yes. Which is pretty big. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, the footage of it is spectacular. Mm. It's all over the internet. Um, oh, because Russian drivers are crazy. Russian I, drivers are crazy. 
I never knew this before. Apparently in Russia, it's a massive thing now that most drivers actually have dash cams, dashboard cameras, yes. to record what happens for the sake of insurance because there's been problems with insurance fraud and the mafia. So, <laughs> so you know, it's quite helpful that douchebaggery got hey, some you, amazing footage of a freaking meteor. You actually, you know, we might mock it, but actually it's becoming more and more prominent in this country as well. It's it, a good idea. Um, you know, much. driving instructors, especially driving instructors and taxi drivers, have started fitting uh, uh, front and rear dashboard, mount, dashboard and, you know, uh, luggage compartment mounted mm. cams so they can record who does what. It's the main sense. areas you want to cover. Yeah. But, I mean, it kind of leaves the sides blind. Yeah, but I hope... Yeah. Well, it's a good idea for public transport as well, which they've been gradually doing more and more. Anyway. I don't know. All the need for public transport to make sure you don't crash into them is, you know, the big, the big yellow megabus guy? Oh, Just yeah. put him on the back of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> He'll keep you away. He's yeah. terrifying, that guy. But, yeah, I watched uh, an episode of SciShow, and it go to youtube.com slash SciShow to see Hank Green discuss this, because Hank Green is amazing and his voice is awesome. Yes. Uh, and basically he was discussing that this is a, a meteoroid. It's, called a, it's classified as a meteoroid. It's interesting. It's, it's meteor actually refers to, I believe, the, the trail of fire that comes behind a meteor, which is amazing, and there's loads of footage of it, and I just... Okay, I know that over 1,000 people have been injured in the shockwave that caused a lot of buildings to collapse, roofs to collapse, and cars to go off, and... Windows to smash, and And lots of glass smashing. But at the same time, it's really cool. It's a friggin' meteor. It fell to earth, it was made of fire, and then it fell in a glacier, which has a massive hole in it now. It was like the size of a bus. It's... This is really cool stuff. Yeah, because in Soviet Russia, space explores you. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> there we go. No, 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 no. Little clap, little clap. Yes, uh, golf clap for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see that. Rock's a good stuff. But, uh, no, it's just all the jokes about alien probes and stuff like that suddenly <laughs> pops in my head. <laughs> It's, it'll be really interesting what comes out of this. Like we can now we've been able to observe thanks to all these cameras, like yeah. the effect of a shockwave from a friggin' meteor. That's yes. the only way to describe it. I'm calling it the friggin' meteor. Uh, this is separate. <laughs> to the, this is separate, by the way, to the asteroid that was coming in record distance of Earth but did not hit Earth. That passed by perfectly fine. Yes. Uh, this is a smaller one, and the problem with this smaller one is that if it's below a certain size, as it was, you can't actually detect it coming towards Earth until it's really close. Yeah, apparently this one was only detected about 45 minutes away. That yeah. kind of, I think it's that kind of size means it's about 45 minutes is the earliest you can catch oh, it. Right. So that's the reason why people were like, oh my god, we didn't know this was coming. Well, we couldn't have. It was really small. Oh my god, meteor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Harry, it, it couldn't resist. Oh, no, it's cool, though. It was small for a meteor, of course. Yeah. Uh, it fragmented out, it exploded above the Earth's surface quite a far away with the force of people say a nuclear bomb, which I think is increasingly being abused. Uh, are you, are you, uh, did you say nuclear or nuclear? A nuclear bomb? Uh, cause because I could have sworn was... you said nuclear. Because Rob's been saying that to me as well, but he says nuclear as well. I'm gonna like, have you guys been watching too much Family Guy or Simpsons or something like that? I'm going to go with a nuclear bomb because it didn't actually hit anyone, so it's clean, it's clear, and under control. <laughs> nice, <and good>. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Getting off to a good start here. Yes. So hopefully the thing will be able to be pulled out of this glacier and analysed, and hopefully it yes. won't be the Russians using a tractor beam to get Energon out of the space. Because that would be a terrifying turn of events. 
But uh, our second news, if anyone else got any other asteroid things before we move on to the second? Because this is, is just it, cool! No, no, because when you mentioned Transformers, it would be like Boris Prime or something like that. Boris Prime! <laughs> <laughs> this would be terrifying! Uh, sorry, I just want to get to the news so I can eat one of these cupcakes. I know I, now I can't eat them on air, because that would be No, no, we're, we're waiting for Rob. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's six of them, and there's three of us now. There'll be four when Rob arrives. I know. We're waiting for Rob, though. <laughs> use rock, paper, scissors yeah. or something. He's yes. actually outside now. Really? Yeah. Should I open the door? That'd probably be a good idea. Go get him. Someone go get him uh, while we go on to the it, next story. Go get him. News number twos. Yes. Uh, Crash-proof computers. Question mark. I am rather... I'm... You skeptic. don't... Uh, right. This is by... Uh, right. I, uh, this is from UCL. Oh, UCL, the College London. University College London. There we go. Yeah. I forgot. Um, basically, it's a computer that's built with nature in mind, and it could spell the end of the blue screen of death. Uh, uh, this was reported in the New Scientist. The machine is created by computer scientists at UCL, uh, and it works by dividing context-sensitive data and instructions at small systems, each with their own memory allocation. Uh, it's a systemic computer, and it, choos- it chooses the order in which to execute programs using a pseudo-random number generator, uh, according to Peter Bentley, one of the machine's creators, nature's <laughs> and process... And my brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a brother called Peter. This, this works on so many levels. He was story. working at the co-op last week. He's gone far. <laughs> <laughs> this week he's designing a computer that won't crash. Uh, nature's processes are distributed, decentralized, and probabilistic, and they are fault-tolerant, able to heal themselves. A computer should be able to do that. The self-healing is where the crash-proof idea comes in, because what happens is if part of it decides to fail that can be picked up automatically by a different part of it that has the same as the same or similar instruction set and that way the computer will never la- never actually crash and then you can actually uh, con- continue on from that so that the bits that have failed can automatically be repaired as well it's kind of like if you get a cut in your body it doesn't you know say you cut your hand it doesn't stop your hand from working mm-hmm. you know you basically it will eventually heal but you can still use your hand for stuff Okay, you know, it's it's a very simple it's a very simple approach, but surprisingly, you know, very effective. Hmm. Next step in the project involves teaching the computer to respond to its environment, altering its own code as a uh, as a response to local changes. Now, keep this story about crash-proof computers in mind, please, folks, because we are getting to a truly terrifying story later on. (laughs) Moving on, yeah, uh, singularity may be closer than you think. MIT have developed genetic circuits that have logic and memory functions. Right, now this doesn't sound like anything much until you realize that these genetic circuits can f- perform basic logic functions in living cells. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Now imagine every single cell in your body had a circuit like this that could, tell, that could tell it to switch on and off, yes or no, right or left, all of these basic logic functions. Hmm. Right. It just sounds really cool to me. I, it sounds I'm not, really cool. I'm not as, technif- I'm not as like, robot fearful. No, no, no. I, I, I actually, there's a part of me that's scared of the singularity, but a part of me that also wants to kind of plug my arm into a computer and play like Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I could just be sitting there watching something and playing Eve at the same time. <laughs> I, could, I could use this. Just called having two screens. Eh? It's just called having two screens. Yeah, but I wouldn't need to have two screens then. <laughs> I think it's a bit less I could expensive watch the football to and play Eve. Screen. Yeah, I could watch the football and play Eve. In I fact, wouldn't it be great if your kitchen was automated and all you had to do was like just uh, just kind of put your thumb 
on a little thumb sensor, and it would make your make your breakfast the way you like it. Oh, like Barbie. <laughs> Rubs it in there. What you want is Barbie's dream house. That's what. Yeah, absolutely. Any excuse not to have to move off the sofa. <laughs> Some of us like cooking. It's a great pastime. Yeah. Rob's sitting there shaking his head going, no! It's a terrible idea because I've seen many science-based horror movies. If It starts off like that, but eventually the the house will want to impregnate you and have your babies. Oh, God, no. Oh, this demon seed. Yes, Oh, God. Yeah, oh, you've really got Rob hooked on this. <laughs> Admittedly, that is one of the few films with a giant Rubik's snake as an enemy defense mechanism. Yeah. Which was pretty awesome. Exactly. So you it, get to see it, someone be crushed by a Rubik's snake. It starts with putting your thumb on for your breakfast, and then you get Rubik's snakes trying to. It starts with this yeah. genetic, uh, genetic uh, you know, it's a genetic rocky road. Circuits. Yeah, it's a rocky, it's a rocky road. road. Anyway, listen, mm, uh, listen to this. Uh, in addition to performing the logic operations, the bacterial cells in which the circuits reside can remember the results as they are encoded into the cell's DNA and passed on for dozens of generations. <laughs> and Rob's admiring the uh, Pac-Man cupcakes. We just had them delivered, courtesy of Israel. They're scaring me. They're scaring you. <laughs> They're so cute, though. They do have big staring eyes, but the ghost's meant to have that. They all seem to be looking at me, though. That's the... You've got a terrible No, these two are the looking point. at Harry. Those two are you looking at. And you... I'm looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, moving on. Extrasensory sensors. Now... You know we love the Japanese because they come up with uh, uh, weird and weird. Oh, no, sorry. That's the next story. I'm reading the, the wrong one. Uh, this is from Duke <laughs> University. Scientists at Duke University have found a way. Right, remember we were talking about holodecks, mm-hmm. right? And we were saying we really want holodecks. Well, they may have actually found a way that we can actually do holodecks. Ooh. See, here's the thing. You know, we've got five senses. If you could have any sense... Five uh, senses, shut se- up. Oh, we've, got, we've got over a hundred senses. Yeah, we've got over a hundred senses. We've got five main ones. Five main ones. But if you could have another main sense, what would it be? Sixth sense. Fashion sense. I lack that one. <laughs> <laughs> Rob? <laughs> Harry would always look fabulous. <laughs> what about you, Rob? If you could have another main sense, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. A sense of if the film you're about to go into is not worth the money? No, because you see, I've got this ingenious system now where I expect every film to be absolutely awful. And then I don't want to punch people in the throats if it's too bad as I leave, so it's a foolproof. Keep your expectations <laughs> low, I see. What about you, Israel? Um, I'm, I'm not going to steal a one that's on the screen in front of me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not too... I'm not too sure, actually. Uh... Tell you what, have a think about it. Um, We'll come back to you. Anyone, uh, all of you who are listening, uh, let us know what extra sense you'd like. But here, scientists at Duke University have found a way to make rats feel invisible infrared light. Hmm. Yeah, and someday that same technology could give sight to the blind or give humans extra senses for fun. Now, here's the thing. If If they can feel invisible infrared light, that means holodecks are... Potentially possible. Oh, because you could feel light-based constructs. Exactly. Ooh. That's cool. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? It could also lead to some awesome laser tag. Oh, my God. Like super realistic laser tag. No, no, no. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> it could also lead to the next level junkies in Middlesbrough. Imagine if this was substituted. For oh, it's so <laughs> trippy, man. No, it'd be like, it's psychedelic, man. But what have they got? Kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, I fancy a, a new sense this week. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe another sense of you can actually feel the rhythm. <laughs> that, that, that might actually make every dad dance yeah. well. <laughs> Aren't you just basically talking about the Matrix? Yes. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, Kung Fu now. That's my new sense. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kung Fu. He has a Kung Fu sense. A yeah. sense of when enemies are weak to opening attacks. Yeah, that could be useful. Or a sense when he's being attacked, which is basically a spider sense. Oh, yeah, spider sense. That would work. Most of the time. <laughs> Unless it's Scarlet Witch, in which case you can't sense anything because she's crazy. Crazy. Crazy Scarlet Witch. Yes. Um, anyway, aside from giving the, uh, the mice and rats uh, a literal sixth sense, the first time a brain machine interface has been able to, uh, this is the first time a brain machine in- interface has been able to do anything like this in adult animals. Um, this kind of implementation could be used to restore something like sight, um, w- especially in people who have problems with their visual cortex. Yeah. Because their other senses are heightened. Oh, yeah. You know, when you lose your sight, your other senses. You remember, you know how they say Daredevil has like radar, radar. Yeah, he practically sense. echolocates. That yeah. was actually the first thing that came to mind when you were reading this was uh, Daredevil. It's a, it's a comic book, though, so it, it's, it's not real. Yeah, I'll bring it to you. It's not that. He just wants to be Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking, actually. What if you could make it so you could feel infrared and UV lighting? You'd only be able to see in discos. <laughs> you're blind everywhere else, but yeah, you can nope. see when you're indoors by a disco ball. And what you could actually see with that would be too pleasant. Yeah, or, or in like uh, uh, something like The Fifth Element. Ah, <laughs> that'd be You'd cool. Be though. Brilliant in German cyberpunk clubs. <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> Not many other places, but is this where you've been this week? <laughs> <laughs> Because I've, I've just not heard the words German cyberpunk club in ever, really. I get about. Sounds, sounds awesome, but you know, fair play too. Right, moving on. Um, WTF Award and Robot Revolution, the rat bully. Now, you've seen the ant bully, yeah? Mm-hmm. And the ant bully top. made all the ants depressed, didn't he? Now imagine making all the rats depressed. This is our good friends at Waseda University in Tokyo. Got the right story this time. Uh, they've developed a robotic rat. And I have to read this first two paragraphs verbatim because you'll understand when I get to the end of the second paragraph. They've developed a robotic rat that att- aggressively attacks living lab rats in order to make them depressed. What? Now, here's the thing, right? It's piranha? Yeah, hang on. <laughs> Nice. One yep. piece references. Yep. <laughs> Depressed rats are used to test new drugs designed to treat depression. There are a number of way- ways of t- to turn regular rats into depressed rats. These include making them swim for extended periods of time and giving them electric shocks. These techniques generally tend to make the rats unhappy, at which point the researchers can dose them with antidepressants. The problem with these approaches is that human depression generally isn't triggered by electric shocks or being forced to swim for hours. Yeah, there's like what, one tiny like, thing wrong with this. Oh my God. Just, just the one. On the one hand, it makes so much sense, but on the other hand, it's like... We want to test out the depressions of rats. Oh, now we have to do research to find out how to make rats depressed. It's just, just such a weird thing. I can see why, but it's weird. Sorry, but the Israel. thing is, how can you tell when a rat is depressed? I don't know if it isn't feeling up for it's, some cheese. It's like a, <laughs> the thing is, is, is it like a spaniel where it just looks the same all the time? <laughs> no, don't be look with its tongue hanging out. Grumpy rat. <laughs> To be fair, I'd be pretty knocked off if I was subjected to uh, electric, electric shocks, shocks and yeah. swimming all the time. 
Yeah, way to get over that depression. Then again, a British Athletic Association, that might be your next training regime. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move from lab rats to divers. Jensen Button, how would you feel about this? No wonder that uh, recent summer retired at 23. It all makes sense now. What, like Tom Daly or whatever he's called? Oh, the, uh, the, the last, the blonde one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean the one that isn't Tom Daly? No, because she, Tom Daly was she actually everywhere. won. She actually won gold, oh, wow. so she's all right. Rebecca Adlington, she never won that's gold. It. She won bronze. No, she won gold. She won gold. You can't hear this, but I'm staring daggers at Rob. And she's he's won gonna, a gold medal at the Olympics. Not this one. Not this one. The one before, I think. Oh, oh he digged his way out of that hole. Too sheer. Anyway, yeah. We've just had the rob down live on, on the rob. <laughs> oh, a rob off. That has connotations of complaining. I know, right? <laughs> ten out of ten for effort in that hurry. Why, thank you. <laughs> Moving on to our final story. Yes. Another WTF award, the second of the day, Watching Fire Burn. Now, this one, uh, I, I call it Watching Fire Burn, but, you know, um, it, it's, got the, it's got the equivalent connotation as Watching Paint Dry. Norwegian State TV, the channel of choice for anyone who has far too much time on their hands and not enough sense. NRK, it's the equivalent of the BBC, Broadcast a 12-hour-long program showing nothing but a fireplace burning. Oh, it's pretty old. It's pretty for 12 hours. The thing is... Was this not at Christmas? Because I can see that being at Christmas. No, no. This was recently. Uh, The transmission focuses on the Norwegian firewood industry, and as well as burning wood, there are voiceovers from specialists discussing the best ways... Check this out. The best ways to chop and stack wood and techniques for building fires. It's like they were trying to uh, turn everyone in the country into a a nation of pyromaniacs. (laughs) It just sounds like Spring Watch, but Fire Watch. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, Here we see the fire in its natural habitat, the fireplace. Is it not just a way of rubbing it into the face of the homeless? Like when you see on American <laughs> films, where in the shop window they have oh loads of TVs, and all you have is fire on there for 12 hours. Maybe really? it's for people who can't afford fireplaces. Possibly. As an uh, alternative. The thing is, the program was called Hellvet, and it's based on a book. Uh, uh, based, uh, it was inspired by uh, a book on firewood by uh, Lars Mitting. Uh, the book and the broadcast, uh, the, the, the name Hellvet means strong character, but it's also a pun on the Norwegian word for wood, which mm-hmm. is ved. Um, apparently, this Rune Mucklebust, or Mucklebust, or whatever he's called, he's the head of programming at NRK, has described the broadcast as slow but noble television. <laughs> noble? Yeah, hang on. He, he goes on to say, we'll talk about very nerdy subjects like burning, slicing, and stacking wood, but we'll also have cultural segments with music and poems. To be honest, I kind of want to play this in the background of me doing work. Because it just sounds like it might be very soothing. It might be very soothing it's in Norwegian. A, it's about as soothing as listening to whale noises. <laughs> oh, oh. It must be, I don't know what whales are doing to make all those noises, but it must be terrifying. Yeah, you, can, <laughs> you get just the same quality noise on one barn every minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, it's, a, it's a program where you get to see a lot of women give birth. Literally one born every The internet? Minute. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's on TV. It's, it's, it's the equivalent of British uh, watching Fireburn. Yep. Playing with I thought that was uh, my that. Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. There was that as well. No, and, uh, no X Factor and like Big Brother and all the rest of the stuff. There's quite a few similar to. Yeah, <laughs> yes. We, we usually have over 12 hours worth of that rubbish. 
Yes. Totally. I prefer to watch a fire burn, to be honest, with poetry <laughs> yeah. and detailed wood-chopping nerds. That sounds cool. Yes. In anyway. Time, though, speaking of nerds, I saw Wreck-It Ralph last week and it was amazing. Really? So. He, he's uh, wrong, but yeah. I freaking. Oh. oh, I forgot oh. Rob's here. <laughs> we are going to have words in this break. I'm Susan Arndt, and you're listening to The Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM, because you have excellent taste. And we are back. Uh, yes. And the short story is that me and Rob have some massive disagreements about Wreck-It Ralph. But you are uh, eating cupcakes. Yeah. You're eating cupcakes, and oh my god, they're so gloopy. I've already destroyed mine. Get in. <laughs> Isra- oh yeah. Israel's one was brilliant, because uh, I think someone pushed the eyes during transport, because it's got red icing on top, really gloopy red icing, yeah, and the eyes that? on the pack ghosts are also put on with the red icing, and so they were just bleeding out just a little bit under the eyes of his pack ghost. Uh, it was pinky, for those who are wondering. Inky, blinky, pinky, Clyde. Pinky and the brain. <laughs> We've got Inkies and Pinkies. Inkies and Pinkies. And Pac-Man. Okay. Pacwell Manovich. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Infamous ghost eater. <laughs> Exorcist extraordinaire. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving on. I'm pushing. Mi- moving on from the Pac-Manovich. <laughs> Directed by Michael Bay. You could see that, right? That would be the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Infamous <laughs> Exorcist. Pac-Manovich. Well, there is, a, there is a slightly Russian theme to this uh, show for some reason. We don't know why. <laughs> we could probably come up with that. Oh, well, maybe a, an Eastern a... European theme to this show. Actually, I genuinely yeah. think we could come up with a Hollywood sellable idea that was terrible and Michael Bayable within about 15 seconds. So, Pacwell Manovich, infamous exorcist, loose cannon cup on the edge, looking for his wife. And a meteor falling from space. <laughs> and then cupcakes. No, oh, no, all, you, all you need is Bruce Willis and an Aerosmith soundtrack, and there's, you know, that we already have the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> called Armageddon. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's to, called Armageddon. See, Pacwell Manovich is a personal crisis. He's addicted to fruit and trying to get off his addiction to fruit. It still sounds like Armageddon to me. <laughs> that sounds like a Spielberg movie. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spielberg's terrible. <laughs> right. Just line up things that people like and diss them. Yes. Just because he made movies that you liked 15 years ago doesn't mean he's any good now. Yeah, he's, this is true. He's terrible. Anyway, um, we are talking past versus present, and we are in the movie section. Um, Rob has been to see Die Hard, but... Uh, I don't think he wants to talk about it. He summarised it, it pretty well. It, it, I'm upset about it, so... Best not to talk uh, about I it. I don't want to. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> Those are the words of the man who's been dumped out of a relationship, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> in the most aggressive way possible, in a, in a dark alley, and I don't want to talk about it. With Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> That's just weird. And Hollywood. <laughs> on um, topic, then. Yeah, on topic. What makes something a classic? You know what we we always call things classic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always all these movies that are defined as classics. But what actually makes them classics? Well, for me, a classic is something that's not only really old. I'd say like over twenty years old, maybe. Does it have to be old? And mm-hmm. as well as iconic, uh, like anything even recent can be iconic. Uh, Avatar. Yeah, I, Avatar's an iconic film. Does that mean it's a classic? No, because it's not old enough yet. If people still remember after twenty years, then yeah. The whole thing is that. Classics for me are things which are so memorable that they'll yeah. be referenced and mashed up and copied and mimicked a hundred, you know, for ages afterwards. Mm. Like people still make references and things to Pocahontas or Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or, you know, that kind of thing. Or can anyone think of a thing that isn't Disney? 
Well, for, for Saving me- Private Ryan. How old is that one? Um, I don't know. But I wouldn't say it was a classic. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. There we go. Really old, really iconic, mimicked a lot. Yeah, but this is the thing. Um, Avatar, I wouldn't ever consider as a classic. That's probably because Avatar was more of a technical demonstration than a film. Well, yeah, but also because the story has been done to death before. Definitely. It wasn't original in any way. It was all about the super white man who can be a native better than the natives. It was uh, Pocahontas in space. Oh, look, save the rainforest. It was Fern Gully. And everything that yeah, entails. Yeah, it, it was Smurfer Hunters dancing with wolves. We know, we know. You know, um, you know, it's all these movies rolled into one, include Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, For those of you who are wondering, by the way, Fern Gully is the one with with bloody ah uh, the guy who's awesome, Frank Inverter. Tim Curry. It's all with Tim Curry as a toxic slime, a a really motivated toxic slime. It's really very, motivated. It's very good. Enjoy for his parts. <laughs> His roles, <laughs> no, worse. His appearances. His singing? <laughs> appearances and singing. I'm, I'm going to find one of them eventually. I don't know, it's still getting a bit weird. No, appearances and singing were fine. Harry's definitely levelling up another ten points for effort. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Rob? Uh, Robin Israel, uh, what do you think makes a classic? What makes a classic? I'll let Rob well, go yeah. first. No, no, you I'll go first because <laughs> we know we know we have we have Rob. We're keeping Rob for last. All right, fair enough. Rob um, is the trump card. Two, two, two films of mine which I definitely count as classics. Uh, one would be Big Daddy, and the second one would be the first Home Alone film. Big Daddy. Big Daddy was the Home Alone. I would say. I, I might actually call Home Alone a classic because it was an unusual take on the whole. You know. Uh, Defend the castle yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. Home invasion, they call it. Yeah, home invasion. Yeah. It was an, it was an unusual take on that, and it was uh, inventive, and it, it's it's still fun to watch even now, Absolutely. mainly because the uh, the the two burglars. Uh, what oh, I've forgotten the name. Joe Pesci and uh, what was the other guy called? The guy with the beard. The guy with the beard. The wet bandits. They were called. <laughs> the wet bandits and the sticky bandits. <laughs> yes. The um, bandits. They they made the film work. It wasn't Macaulay Culkin who made it work. It was them. They, those guys made it work. Yeah. It oh, poor Macaulay film. Culkin. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Big Daddy? Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know why, this one. Why not? Uh, Adam uh, Sandler, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, can I go now? My boss is due soon. Line him up. Shoot him down. I was expecting, as soon as I mentioned a film with Adam Sandler, straight away. Go on, kill him. <laughs> kill him with your words. Finish him. You want me to kill him? <laughs> no, no. I best go then. No, no. We have Mortal Kombat. Uh, imagine Mortal Kombat music. Finish him. We should totally get on the board. <laughs> <sighs> Adam Sandler did Punch Drunk. Love everything else is. Yeah. 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 I didn't quite like Punch Drunk. Love. That's because you're a philistine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just it just didn't work for me. That's all. That's, a, that's definitely a next level Jew compliment, that isn't it? You absolute philistine. There we go, Rob. Philistines. I thought it was an artsy thing. Now it is. Yeah. What philistines are Nazi things? Artsy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not calling them Rob a Nazi. <laughs> Am I ju- uh, right. just? I like say animation. Someone thinks I, I'm saying I'm an Asian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like the most like. 20s Jeremy Kyle show I've ever heard. Yeah, I know. I, I apologise to anybody who's tuning in by accident. This is this is, this is actually the gig, the gig show, not like the World War Two show. Oh, the <laughs> show. 
Yeah, we're not the butcher either. Um, they're on the other side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Okay, Rob, what would you? What makes a classic? It's complicated. A classic can be released last week. It's what's in the movie, not when it's from. Uh, a classic is something which defines a genre. It takes it to its peak. It evolves the form, or it's something that you can look back at and you say, that's where it all began. That's what a classic is. It's not just, here's something that's iconic that's been ripped off. That's just lazy filmmakers. That's Quentin Tarantino, thinking he's clever, just ripping other people off. But yes, uh, that's what a classic is. Alright, oh, so would you class, say, Lord of the Rings as a classic? No, starting of- no. It's not, I don't like it, it's got nothing to do with it, it's just not a classic. What about something like Willow? Are you serious? <laughs> no, I'm just asking if Lord of the Rings isn't a classic, because Willow was an unusual idea. To be honest, you're asking the wrong person about fantasy costs. No, I mean, I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Willow was an unusual idea, and it actually had the lead, the lead role of Willow was not a normal actor. It was, uh, it was what's-his-face? Uh, I've forgotten his name. Eric? Oh, you're a, you're a terrible human being. You're saying midgets aren't re- proper actors? No, I'm saying it was unusual because how many movies can you name with a lead role who isn't just a normal human being who looks pretty? <laughs> don't try. No, dude, no. Get, no. Get the, the looks pretty, the Hollywood human being looks pretty. Different to normal human being. I forgot I had Val Kilmer in, so no. Yeah. <laughs> Warwick is a human. That's part of the thing. Warwick Davies is Yeah, Warwick of, Davies. just short. <laughs> Jesus. Rob off round two, it's one all. Okay, Rob versus racism. Well, this is odd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> heightism. Okay, how about this? How about this instead? Like, um, what's a genre you're very fond of, Rob? That's horror. It's easy. Yeah. Okay, what's a classic horror film to you? Well, it depends because every generation has something completely different. Oh, so like classic film classics can happen like once a generation? Or? Well, you, once every evolution. Because let's say nineteen seventies horror is a world away from nineteen eighties horror, mm-hmm. and modern horror is a world away from the like, birth of horror, like nineteen thirties. Oh god! So, so yeah. it's just change. The goalposts are changed all the time. So does that mean a classic always is a classic? Okay, it actually, no, does, no, it, it doesn't. No, it does actually lead us to the next question. Can something then really be timeless? Depends who you ask. You know, say uh, Citizen Kane, for example. The, take the uh, Alien example. Yeah. I love Alien. It's one of my favourite horror films, but on the internet, that brilliantest of places, <laughs> with all those people <laughs> who would call them other things if we weren't on air, yes. <laughs> uh, claimed that it was dated because the effects were terrible. Now, to me, that just sounds absolutely ridiculous, but like, example, Alien, for me, it is a timeless mm-hmm. horror movie. Yeah. I, well, think it it I, ask, think, yeah. I think the people who say that should feel slightly ashamed of themselves, to be honest. It's really good. I don't think Alien needs to age. I was going to say no. that... Um... Oh, bum. <laughs> Never heard of that one. Uh, neither I. Small indie release uh, in Brighton. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, timeless film. There we go. Um... Then I was going to suggest... Thing. Rob, he, he's Rob, completely gone. Rob, it. what's timeless to you? I've, I've totally forgotten it. I'm trying to remember what I was trying to say. Rob, you. Timeless to me. Yeah. I don't think anything can really be timeless. I honestly don't, because the thing is, I've got like ten years on Rob, and Rob's got like a couple of years on you. Um, but that, that are, you know, it's not an age. It's not an age thing or anything like that. It <laughs> just means I've watched, uh, I've watched a lot more stuff from you know older years mm-hmm. than I have more modern stuff. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because I've got like almost 40 years of watching movies and TV and animation and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, looking at it from like from here all the way back to what I was watching when I was a kid, mm-hmm. there is nothing that's really timeless because, as Rob said, the goalposts are always shifting, society is always changing. So what was relevant then yeah. and what was considered a classic then, you know, you can't really consider a classic in the same in the in this you know in the same tone or theme or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, Citizen Kane, for example. It's, it was hailed for a long time as the best movie of all time. Now it's Vertigo, you said. It was the BFI sort of um, poll for the best food movie ever made. It happens every 10 years. And I yeah. think it was between 1940 and the one that happened last year where Citizen Kane was classed the greatest film ever made. What? And yeah. Vertigo just recently nudged it off. Exactly. Wow. But it's still classed as one of the greatest movies ever made. But the thing is, I watched, you know, I watched Citizen Kane only a couple of months ago. Um, you know, uh, it was. I've seen it loads of times, mm-hmm. but I watched it again only a couple of months ago. And I was watching it. I was thinking, well, hang on, half of these themes, you know, are no longer relevant. Mm. Disagree totally. No, how? I, I'm not talking about all of it. I'm saying that a lot. Uh, there's a good portion of the movie that's still relevant. That still be- stands mm-hmm. uh, stands up to modern society. But there's mm-hmm. a good. There's a fair portion of it that doesn't anymore. Mm-hmm. T- to be honest, I can't disagree more because. You're just looking at it from the sort of face on, as what it's saying, what it, what's the story, what it looks like. I mean, are you talking... And uh, if you look at it from a more uh, critical perspective of how it was made, a lot of the things that were done in uh, Citizen Kane, the photography, the see, filmmaking... See, that's the thing. That, that is timeless. Right, that okay. will never age. That made things... Right. That set about things in filmmaking that will always be... And that's timeless. So that basically, Citizen Kane was... The, see, this is the thing. <clears throat> I don't know much about the production side of Citizen Kane, so I can only take the face on view, as you said. Yeah. Um, if I, you know, if it's the first movie that's done, like, this technique, this technique, this technique, and those techniques are still being used today, then yes, okay, it deserves its place. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Well, to, the tech side of it normally is uh, Stanley Kubrick yells a lot of people. Uh, that's generally what I know happening behind the scenes. He uh, he does about 70 takes yeah. and makes everybody have a nervous breakdown. That's yeah. the Kubrick technique. Uh, oh, the John oh, Ford yeah. technique. He likes hats. Kurosawa likes rain. Well, what was it? It's the, is it the, the sniper or the gunman? It was a, a, a woman who originally she was meant to have her head cut off. What's, uh, what's this in? In, I, don't, I think it's Citizen Kane. It's something from Stanley Kubrick. Nobody gets... Uh, Orson Welles is, is, is in Kane. Stanley Kubrick, maybe The Shining, that's his only proper horror film. Well, Clockwork Orange, but... Yeah. Mm, I don't that's, remember. That's just disturbing. All I know is that um, there was... Uh, I listened to a podcast and someone actually got to make a documentary. They were going to call it Citizen Kubrick. Uh, Room 237, was that be? Because hmm? that's... Room 237, I think, is the only one that pops to my head. Possibly. The decapitation didn't actually happen in the end. Oh, okay. Uh, and, then. and the reason is that when he was going through these boxes to... He was going through Stanley Kubrick's old boxes in his attic, and he was going to call it Citizen Kubrick, but then people were like, oh, no, you're going to be like calling him a terrible weirdo. It's like, fine, we'll call it Stanley Kubrick's boxes, even though it's kind of lame. Uh, and he found a prosthetic head of the sniper from something, and I can't remember what now. Uh, and apparently the whole thing is that Stanley Kubrick got the woman who played this character so riled up because he was a rather loud, yelly type of director yes. that she just couldn't bear the scene. It was horrifying to her uh, to see herself destroyed on camera like he was trying to destroy her psychic psyche behind the scenes 
And so it was changed. I think she just gets shot or something. That's not popping up. As I'm going to have to check on which one it was. The, the classic one I was going to say, thing that is classic but not timeless for me, is Akira. Because Akira sparked a lot of things. It brought anime to the West. But I think it's terrible. I hate that film. It's boring as all hell. And in places it's just oh, loud and needlessly we, annoying. We're, 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 we're having this out. We're fighting. <laughs> me and you out there. I just find it's it so Dragon Ball Z, which is like, Tetsu! Charging up at the end. Yeah, There's but, some great bits uh, in it, but as a film, I just find it really dull and long. I didn't find it long at all, because... It's not dull either. It's really no. clever. Uh, but the I'd thing say, is... But I'd say it's definitely a classic, because of how much it influenced the medium. The thing is, um, it, it did influence the medium a lot, and it did f- kick open the door to the West for what anime is, but it, the door was already half open because everyone forgets the stuff that came before. Everyone forgets that things like Nausicaa and Laputa came out before Akira. True, true. And were out in this country before Akira. Akira didn't you do the whole thing by out. itself, definitely. It hey? was a VHS trading system. No, 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 no. Out. I watched Laputa before I watched Akira yes. on TV. Mm. Different to watching it. Laputa was on TV and in Britain. He's... Bootleg VHS no, no, no. Movies. It was actually shown on. Uh, it was shown on ITV when I was a kid, oh, and this was a few years before I even before I'm, I watched Akira. I'm doubting that story even more now because ITV. Uh, I checked. Is this back this when it was actually, like this is actually, initiative television? No, this is back when ITV was actually trying to really seriously compete with BBC. Mm-hmm. You know, back during the early 80s. And they were going out and they were trying to branch out into different markets. And animation mm-hmm. was one of the markets they were trying to branch out in. ITV and BBC Two, because BBC Two was when uh, they had, like, uh, this movie called The Time Lords. Mm-hmm. And it was a really... It, it was a really weird, wibbly, and also kind of creepy sci-fi. Hmm. Uh, it was a French, sci- a French sci-fi animated movie. I think the thing about ITV is they pick up licenses all over the place. Yeah. Just randomly, seemingly. I got to watch Pushing Daisies on it. Well, Pushing Daisies is a great series. Exactly, but the thing is, when I was a kid, you know, I was watching stuff like, you know, I was watching stuff like Dog Tanyon and Thundercats and stuff like that. And, you know, then I'm exposed to something like Laputa long before I've even watched Akira. Huh. You know, and this is the thing. Laputa was actually the first animated movie I ever watched. That's a pretty good way to start with Ghibli. Oh, sorry, anime movie, I should say, that I ever watched. It wasn't Akira. That's fine. Yeah. I was just saying that Akira opened doors. I consider no, it Akira, a classic. Akira just kind of walked up to the half-open door and kicked it the rest of the way open. That's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm just saying it was influential. You know, like the original Batman film was influential. People can argue about the quality of it, but... Which Batman film are you talking about? Like, like the first... One. Ooh, nice. That's like, what I was going to say. Like the first first, uh, like Tim Burton Batman. No, that wasn't the first one, though. Was it Adam West in the 1960s? Yep. (laughs) And it had the Joker and all the rest, and Penguin and Catwoman. And they they, uh, turned the United Nations guys, uh, Security Council, into powder. (laughs) It wasn't a good film. No, it wasn't a good film. I like the Adam West TV series. It, it has its own charms, true. Yeah, Which was true. the Jack Nicholson Batman, then? The, that the was, one ba- him that was Batman. It was uh, Tim Burton's Batman, yeah. Okay, so what year was that? That was, that was uh, mid-90s, wasn't 89, it? 89, I think it was. It was 89. Okay. Because Prince did the soundtrack to that, so it might have been 89, you're right. I was going to say, that one is uh, classic in some respects, because it really opened the door and said that geek culture and interpretations of comics could actually be popular. I, I don't know about that. Cause... And Batman kept on going and going after that one. They, they went to... He does have a point. No, not really, because 
comic book movies didn't they really ha- happen in the eighties or nineties. There was a few. They did, but they sucked. Oh, oh yeah, that's God. Right. Man, man actually, you could do it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. I disagree with you there. I disagree with you there. Right, Batman did not prove they could do it and it could sell because it was a Tim Superman. It was a Tim Burton movie. It wasn't no, a Superman proved it could, you could do it and it could sell. Was Superman before Batman? Then? Superman, Christopher Reeves, yeah. Ah, I didn't know that one. Long before Batman, and that had what? Uh, it had four movies, didn't it? Three, wasn't it? No, it was four. No, it was three. It was one, two, three. No, no, yeah, there no. was one, two, and three. Three had Richard Pryor, and four was the Nuclear Man. Well, that must have been a really Was that one direct to VHS by any chance? No, no, no. Four, four was out, and uh, Lex Luthor basically created his own supervillain. I don't know. Uh, the Nuclear Man. The, uh, the DVD edition. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty low-key. It's not a major release. It w- no, it was, Chris- it was Christopher Reeves. Oh, no, I was just saying it's just not a major release. It's not really counted in the cat along those films. It's like no, the Animatrix, is. essentially. Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, part of the sequence, it really is. It's just that it got onto DVD. No. Effectively, Superman, of the time, yeah. Superman The Quest of Peace was out on major release. Trust me. At the same time, it's like saying that the Incredible Hulk film was a major part of the Avengers. It's like, eh. Shut but up. Can any of these movies be considered timeless? Superhero movies, no. <laughs> no, I mean, just, just for whatever reason... For, for the technical aspects or whatever, can they be considered? Could someone like could something like Star Wars, the original, you know, Episode Four, be considered timeless? Yes, because it was the one of the first ever blockbusters, and that'll be a timeless quality. Okay, I think that a timeless film needs to focus on a topic which won't change with time, so it can't really use pop culture or references. Uh, for me, Muppets Christmas Carol is probably timeless because Christmas, as long as it keeps existing, that film has relevance. This is true. Much, Seasonal yeah. films. And I've never watched that and not enjoyed it every single year. Even the ridiculousness of the Marley and Marley song. Okay, then. Um, to extend that, it's pretty yeah. much period films. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, true, because they, they make their own time and explain it to you. Yeah. They're out of time, so yeah. they don't get... Yeah, okay. They're not built for now. Like, yeah. Casa Demi Padro could only work now. Yeah. Because yeah. after... Spanish and Latina soap operas stop being a big part of American television is not going to make any sense. Right, quick pick of the geek then. What film are you, will you, what film? Pick one film that you will still be watching in 10 years' time. Other than Muppets Christmas Carol? Other than, or Muppets, Christmas, Muppets, Christmas, Christmas, Carol. Other than Muppets Christmas Carol. I guarantee I'm going to keep watching that one. Rob? Christmas traditioner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just one film that you'll. Doesn't exist. Least, doesn't exist. You can't ask a film fan just to watch one film for the next 10 years. No, no, I'm asking what one film would you. Would you do you think, right now, with what you know, what one film, and you just choose one. I you can't. could, you could have a multitude of them. It's impossible. But in 10 like years' it. time, you'd, you might still enjoy it as much as you enjoy it now. It never really. That's happens. all I'm asking. Most films need about a 10 year breathing space so you can actually enjoy them. Repetition. Kills a lot of films. That's why I chose the ten year. But there's certain films where if you watch it multiple times, it takes on new complexions. And those, that's a completely different topic altogether. Yeah, that's rewatch value. Mm. Not really, but yeah, it's not the way I'm thinking of it. No, right. I know, but you, you understand no, what I mean. There's no film that pops. Okay, in my head, Israel. No. Um, I'm going to stick with the original. Well, I'm going to stick with the original two that I said, uh, Big Daddy and. The original Home Alone film, both of those, I've watched endless amounts of times, and I'll still continue to watch them in ten years' time as well. Cool. Um, what about you, Rob? Me. 
Uh, Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard 1. Die Hard 1. Any of the sequels? Nope. Just okay. Die Hard. Definitely. Nakatomi Plaza. Alan Rickman. It's got everything. It's it's the only oh. movie where you where you could just say I'm gonna have a, uh, I'm just making a tea. I'll just watch Die Hard for a couple of minutes. Two hours later, it's not <laughs> the only film. No. It's quite a long shot. No, no, <laughs> it's not the only film now, but it was the only film for many years. <laughs> I'd say that. That's why it's called the Die Hard syndrome. Well, that <laughs> and Die Hard is just so applicable. It's like people call it the ultimate man romance film, the ultimate fighter film, and the ultimate. Now Christmas I film. have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. This is, right, because we do have a competition today, so all of you tuning in, yes, we are going to be announcing the competition today, we are going to be asking you the question that could win you a copy of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, Oh yeah. the new Metal Gear game, um, we have a copy to give away, thanks to uh, Voltage PR, MHP Communications, Konami and Game. Um, Nicely done. Yes. And this is all in conjunction with Hideo Kojima and the artist guy from Metal Gear. Oh, good lord, I'm bad at You've this. forgotten we will there. We will check it later. But it's on, <laughs> it's on. It's the main article on the website right now. There's, he's coming to... They're both coming to England to do a London Q&A. His name is Yoji Chinkawa. Thank you very much. They're coming to the UK. They will actually sell the first 200 copies, I think. This is 200? Yeah, 200. 200 the first copies. 200 people in the queue will be served their copy of the game... By Hideo Kojima and Yoji Shinkawa. Which means it's probably guaranteed to get signed. Also, you get to go, oh my god, it's you people! Yes, they are photo opportunities. There is a uh, Q&A, a live Q&A um, as well. I so the first question people will ask of the Metal Gear series creators, question one, what the hell? Because it doesn't always make perfect sense, Metal Gear. That's part of the charm. There has actually been some other questions. There has been uh, one of them. There has been a couple of requests from more Naked Raiden. For example, um, <laughs> he doesn't have skin anymore. Yeah, but they what still want, want naked ridden. I don't know why. Um, anyway, he is naked right now. You can see all his metal flesh in its fullness. Yes. Anyway, he is a cyborg now. Hi, this is Sunny Straight, and you lucky devils are listening to the Geek Show. Consider yourself very, very fortunate. Okay, so we are now in the game section, as you would guess from the whole Metal Gear Rising Revengeance thing yes, going on. Yes, 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 we are. Um, okay, what, uh, we were talking about this in KFC, me, you, me, you and Rob, the Where other day. the best of business meetings are had. Yes, along with uh, some decent chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ice cream. So well, over uh, chicken places are available. Sorry? Over chicken places are available. Yeah, we just chose KFC because it was convenient and close. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Rob-off number four. No, no, no. That wasn't a rub-off. It, it was a draw. We were in generic fast food chicken shack number five, just <laughs> down the street. <laughs> Having some unnecessarily labelled parts of a chicken from the lower regions. Actually, uh, uh, you, you know, do you realise, um, in Australia... You remember we ta- were talking about, uh, we had a WTF award a while ago about uh, some American company trying to patent a gene oh, related yeah. to breast cancer. Well, apparently, according to an Aust- the Australian Appeals Court, they're allowed to. Oh, come on, guys. Which means, you know, eventually, companies will be able to patent things like legs, arms, stuff like that. So just because they're naturally occurring doesn't mean you can't make money off them. Oh. So we will have, we may have to start referring to things like, you know, lower body extremities, you know, rather oh, than legs or God's toes or something sake. like that. Guys, okay, the fashion industry doesn't actually have copyright protection properly. The reason is because it would kill design and advancement. You can't copyright the color. 
It would mean that schools would pay millions every year. It would be insane. It, it has very much an open field for do stuff, progress, learn, innovate. It's what we need in science. Otherwise, it can't thrive. Yeah, but we're talking about an American company. I don't care. I will go up there and hit them in the face with beef. Yes. No, Sheila beef. Hit them with Sheila beef. Sheila beef. No, Sheila beef. I will sick Sheila beef the cannibal on them. <laughs> He's doing a comic book series, you know. I know. Sheila beef? Yeah, Sheila, Sheila beef. beef. I'm forgetting how to do it nicely. Sheila beef. <laughs> Sheila See, the thing is, his name's Sheer. I can't call him Sheer without, uh, without thinking he's some kind of fundamentalist. fundamentalist. <laughs> I just keep thinking Shira. No, I keep thinking Sheer as in Muslim. <laughs> so, how is Shira the Beef doing a... Sorry to detract from the game sector for just a second. How is he doing a comic book? Is he writing or... He, I think he's writing an anime in it from what I remember, but... I've gone, he got a vague recollection of yeah. that. I don't trust him to act. That's his main job. How would I trust him to do these other things? That's because he only has, uh, he only has like that phrase, you understand? That's all he can say. Oh, God. They're going to take over the world. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. I've been here for this film too. It's yes. okay. They've got my girl. Do you understand? Yes, you've never stopped talking about your damn girl with her large buttocks. Leave her alone. Yes. Right, moving back into games. We were talking about... Um, Kind of the uh, the way games have progressed over the years, and we got to thinking what genres actually exist now, and what genres have we lost over the years? Because there is you know, a very definite thing like um, platformers have been relegated to indie games only now. Yeah. You can't get a AAA platformer anymore; it just doesn't happen. Well, well, Super Mario on the is, Wii or Wii U or whatever they're calling it this week. True, although yeah. I think that's retro fetishism more than anything else. Well, yeah, but it's still AAA for Nintendo. I mean, that's yeah. their True. bread and butter, isn't it? Although, to be honest, Nintendo's AAA just appears like AA to most people these days. See, it's a good thing we know we're talking about games and not batteries. <laughs> uh, Nintendo's AAA games are the same. AAA games they were 30 years ago, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, which go which Nintendo. Means, which, means, go which, means, which means, to be honest, they really could just be made as mods on the indie market now. That's, they've relegated themselves to coding like indie gamers. Laziest games company in the world, Nintendo. Good yeah, they, they, they're brilliant marketers, but they just regurgitate the same thing. I mean, everyone, I, I thought the Wii U was going to be this brilliant kind of console, but you they have haven't used that. it. You have to tell people that it actually was a console, not yeah. just an add-on. Well, the thing is that they always showcase new features in Zelda. Yeah. And Zelda Skyward Sword, therefore, try to feature every single thing that the Wii U brings to itself. Including well as... the turning circle of, like, an oil tanker. Oh, good lord. My friend Alex is actually playing it on the Wii right now. So, yeah, you have a scarab beetle, you shoot off, and then you can use it to, like, hit things and pick up hearts. It, it shoots off your wrist. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little golden bracelet with a little golden beetle on it. Come on. Stay with me. Sounds like everyday Cairo. The thing is, you have to, like... <laughs> it, it, it uses the Wiimote in every direction, like twisting as well as turning. Like yeah. They twist like that, and they turn like that, and it's just all over the damn place with so many different features. Also, the hints they give are stupid. They're so dumb. Okay, like, there was one room where there was a giant spoilers for the lesser good puzzles of Skyward Sword. There's a room with a giant eye in it. Now, as people who have played Zelda before, what do you do if you see a giant eye? Pocket with a stick. Shoot it, hit it in some way, that's the kind of normal thing. Yeah. Wrong, not in this instance. You are meant to wave your sword in front of it so it gets dizzy and then opens the door. What? This can make some sense if the hit, if the, if, and you get a clue for this. The clue isn't something like, 
it likes to follow things or it likes shiny things and then you get light or the sword or something. The clue is this likes to follow the tips of objects. What kind of thing likes to follow the tips of objects? That's just so dumb. It begs the question what objects have tips for a start. It's pretty much just swords and things that you wouldn't use in a Nintendo game. <laughs> Unless you're Japanese. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a mod for that. Too impressive, Jig. No. <laughs> So slowly we, we can we can be sure that Tango will will have developed something along those lines. Oh God, <laughs> Tango, hire us. We can actually do all sorts of advertising. <laughs> Not really on the radio, though. Yeah. Anyway, um, what about then, say the adventure game? Because you know you oh, went yeah, great. Like point and click adventure. You know, point and click adventures. Because we've got only a few right now. We've got. I mean, Broken Sword. They're mm. looking to make a new Broken Sword. But, yeah, they're you know. kickstartering it. Um, then there's the uh, the adventure game that uh, Tim Schafer... Double, Double Fine. Double Fine! Fine. ...are working on currently. Yes. And it's just this... I think that the problem with these things... All, you can see just how dead... And Monkey event- Island. Monkey Island had a recent... Uh, recent <laughs> Monkey thing. Island had a recent re-release for the past ten years. Yes. <laughs> no, they, they had... Re-releasing re- and re-releasing and episodically re-releasing. No, they had uh, other stories. They had, like, this Monkey Island collection written by other people. <laughs> I know, but it's just got to the point where it's like a remix, where it's Monkey Island re-released. Yeah. Just with so many reams before it. I think that the whole thing about adventure games now is that they're so scarce and so dead that the fact that your game is an adventure game is a selling point. Yeah. It's not like, this game is a first-person shooter. That's not enough to sell a game. However, with this thing, it's like, the fact that it's called Double Fine's point-and-click adventure game. All we knew about it was it would be a point-and-click adventure game. Yeah. And people were like, oh my god, this never happens anymore. Let us back this based on absolutely no knowledge of what the game will entail. Yeah, it might be absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. It's a point-and-click adventure. Yeah. Well, also this thing that, you know, it's double fine. So there was enough stuff behind that for people to go, you know what, it's probably worth trying at least. Well, I mean, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about adventure games and the serious lack of them. Because the, the genre is... You know, the point-and-click adventure is, you know, it's It's on its last legs. Actually, Tim Schafer, thinking about it, Double Fine is the only one making an original adventure game. Yeah. Broken Sword is continuing on with the Broken Sword series, which is a new game, admittedly, but it's an old property. Yeah. And uh, Monkey Island is just re-releasing itself constantly and having a few fan-written stories, but that's just like fanfics that sell for proper money. You know, if we, if we want that, then we can just watch uh, Doctor Who suck Rose into an alternate dimension where she gets to marry the Doctor and have all her family members alive. You are living in a fanfic. Stop you know, complaining actually, that you died. I, I've just realised point-and-click adventures do still exist, but they've moved. They're yeah. no longer on PCs and consoles. They're on handheld. Because uh, stuff like Professor Layton is a point-and-click adventure. Oh, uh, yeah, true, true. And, uh... Dust Room 256 or something? Yeah. The the DS detective game. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, they moved under a smaller screen. It's actually a good point I was thinking of earlier with uh, things that we've lost and things that we've gained with uh, changes in time for gaming. Yeah. Is that, and it, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, let me help me understand this, is that games like Wreck-It Ralph are just, like, as a game, so simple that it only needs, like, two sentences to describe to you the entire point and plot. You don't need anything more than that. You can mm. just get straight on with things like asteroids. It's kind of obvious. You're a ship, they're asteroids, shooting down. You can get straight into the game. Yeah. Whereas now you've got Final Fantasy thirteen with a 20-hour tutorial. You've got Metal Gear Solid with a, like a half-hour opening sequence. You've got 
to, you've got cutscenes to sit through, which are as long as television shows. Well, like I said, um, I'm replaying Final Fantasy Thirteen because I bet someone that I would. Um, That's the only reason. Yeah. Any other than being a well-paid journalist. Yeah. That is the even Yahtzee didn't finish it for his review. So he was like, "I'm running a bar now. To hell with this." Yes. So Rob, did you lose the bet? I'm still playing it. It takes a long time a yes. to win that That's bet. Yes, Actually, it's bet. not losing a bet. The bet is still on. The bet is that I will stop playing it. He hasn't lost the bet. How many months will it take for you to finish this bet on your hands? Well, the thing is, he didn't specify any kind of time period. That's good, because it takes a long time to finish 13. It, it takes a long time just to motivate yourself to play the game. Oh, God. <laughs> it takes longer to motivate yourself to play 13 than it does to actually finish the game. Especially when you lose lightning for the party, and it's like, I'm oh no, everyone like, else can't fight anything. No, I'm going to be in like a care home when I'm like 96, fighting the last boss on Final Th- Fantasy 13. Will not have been worth it either. <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, 40 minutes in the middle of the game when I don't have to pick up the controller. The introduction has already gone, mm-hmm. and you're still giving me 40 minute cutscenes that have nothing to do with what I'm currently doing. Mm. It's it just uh yeah and again it seems like this old thing this old kit should get straight into the game now with like Angry yeah. Birds where yeah. it can be explained in just a one page comic is what they tend to do now yeah it has moved on to mobile platforms moved on to DS and PlayStation and mobile phones and iPhones and stuff yeah I was gonna say I've noticed like um, on the play um, market there's a lot of indie games which are available which are point and click but they're like 8-bit graphics as well mm. I've got the uh, Samsung oh, what is it Galaxy Galaxy, oh, Galaxy S3 yeah uh, there's quite a lot of like point and click adventure games on there which yeah, aren't so too bad it is migrating to the smaller screen the, the point and click mm. adventure but what about okay let's look at it from the slightly, other, slightly different perspective then we've got some new genres coming in yes right? Journey for example not what really. is the genre of Journey, anyway? It's an adventure game. It's not an adventure game. It's kind of a platformer adventure? It's kind of, but is it? I mean, the, th- the, thing that, the thing about Journey, right, uh, if you play it, mm-hmm. it's an experience game. It, it, it's all about the experience oh, of playing the game. Rather God, than is this guy fresh from the marketing department? No, I've played Journey. I've, finished, <laughs> I've played and finished Journey. Let him finish. It is up. actually Come all on. about the experience of playing Journey. It's not yeah, about... It's about the journey rather than the game itself. Yeah. And this is the thing. Is that a new genre that's coming in, then? Is that something that games are going to look, look to be in the future? What's it called? Journey. So it's, the title is the genre. Actually, I suppose it could be... Uh, Journey could be the genre name, if you name it after it. Like in Magic, where you name a new keyword after the first thing to do it, like milling and uh, fire-breathing. Point-and-click adventure. Mm. Although adventure, I suppose, is the only thing. Point and click is more of a control scheme, while adventure is the genre. Okay. You know, it's like action first-person shooter. Also, yeah. can someone... I, I don't know if I mentioned this once before. Can someone please explain to me what action means? Because I've, I was saying about JRPGs, and then I said to someone, well, do we have ARPGs, American RPGs? Uh, and they said, no, that stands for action RPG. Action mm. role-playing game. I was like, okay. Action is basically anything that you, that you have control of the character and you move around and sometimes get into fights with. Which, in an RPG sense, is everything ever! Yes, I know. They can't What's just the ca- point? The thing is, they can't just call it an RPG because an RPG is such a broad term. They have to try and narrow the definition somehow. But they've narrowed it to not narrow it. You yes. get rid of 
a couple of games where you're faceless and that's it. Yeah, but this is the thing. It's because the people who come up with these labels don't actually understand what action means. We need to do a Google Hangout or an episode someday where we just redefine RPG entirely. Yes. Because it needs doing. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, does technology then really make games better? It has the potential to. Uh, Rob's, got, has... Rob's, got, Rob's nostrils just flared. There. I'll, I'll Go on, see, Rob. I'll Go see, on, Rob. I'll see what of Rob's point I can get out of the way first, and then he should be able to do the rest. <laughs> just because, you know, I think, I think we're both on some of the right stages with this one. Cause we'll, it has, see. we'll see. It has a lot of potential to make games better or more interactive or have new features, but it's often left untouched spare for a select few which are designed as product testers. Like Zelda, unfortunately, which is a series that's kind of been abused by its own control schemes. And having to like force you to enjoy the new f- enjoy the new features. Yes, enjoy. What about you, Rob? Oh, also, um, sorry. Also, another thing is that now that the games get more and more graphically capable, people aim for top graphics all the time, and it can be a massive problem uh, if you don't focus on anything else, like plotline and characters yeah, and story absolutely. and controls. Yeah. Like Dante's Inferno was a big victim of this. I was like, when you run it this many frames per second, when people can't even tell. Yep. Honestly, on paper, yes, it should, by all means, spell for better games. But at the same time, developers, I'm not going to say, have become lazy because some might be listening and I don't want to offend them. What I'm instead meaning is developers release half-finished games and update it through patches. And you go back through time and developers are much more to the points, better, I suppose. And even on a sort of user perspective, go back more generations... Personally, I had more games. Mega Drive, let's say, for argument's sake, I had 100 games. PlayStation 1, I had about 60. PlayStation 3, not two even. Uh, 30. PlayStation, whatever, 15. It's just the amount of games that need to be played are going down. It's not technology-based, I don't think, personally. I think it's more... It's becoming a bigger industry, so they're trying to get games out and catch a bigger audience as possible. They're not having the time to sort of focus on the technology they could be creating. They're just thinking, here's a market, we need to get money from it. Again, I'm not generalising. Well, I am, but you know what I mean. Actually, I, I agree with pretty much all of that. That's some great points. Darksiders is a great example, and Darksiders 2. They had AAA releases. They were advertised mm. everywhere. They were B games. They were not AAA I titles. I like Darksiders 2. Yeah, but would you live without it? Was it a defining point for this year's gaming generation? Or was it's, it just it's, okay? If you've seen it for a tenner, you'd get it, you'd play it, you'd enjoy it. Yeah. It, it, it's that sort of game. It's it was THQ. Good. It was okay. Didn't they go under? Yeah, yeah, yeah they I, went I under. Heard that. Partly because yeah. of things like this. It was <laughs> okay. It was nice. It was a nice distraction and fun. It yes. was nothing that anyone will remember two years after playing it. Okay. Um, also, see, totally agreeing on the games not going out finish line. Seriously, yeah. Final Fantasy oh, XIII. Yes. Your actual ending was DLC, like the legit ending. Are you trying to make me swear? What, what is wrong that? with you people? Final Fantasy thirteen two. You oh, had wow. multiple endings, but the actual true ending was DLC. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> Not like a special ending, uh, but on. the correct one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right. It's, that's just the tip, of the tip of a very large iceberg, right? Borderlands, the game of the year edition, mm-hmm. you're supposed to get all the expansion packs, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. For the same price that you can buy Borderlands the Game of the Year edition. You can buy Borderlands, just the standalone game, plus the expansion pack on a separate DVD. On the Game of the Year edition, the, all the expansions are only available as DLC. Why? Hmm. It's a curious one, that. 
as a one-time only DLC. I think that the industry is very confused at the moment with how to deal with DLC. Cost they are. As well as how to deal with downloads. Like we were saying, the Xbox... Was it the Xbox that was tempted? No, it was the PS4 that was tempted to go through exclusively downloading games. No, it was games. Xbox. There we go. Xbox 720 was tempted yeah. to go through exclusively downloading games, but they went, no, because not everyone has a brilliant internet, and not everyone can hold this much stuff on the ridiculous hard drives. They'd lose a lot of money, yeah. which I find hilarious, of course. Exactly. They'd need, like, a terabyte attached to the system if you wanted to do that, for starters. It's pretty hilarious the fact that they're even considering it in the first place. In all honesty. Maybe a few yeah. generations down the line. Yeah, yeah, it's an option, but not Maybe, now. Yeah, not well, now. we have like fiber optic or whatever's better after that, like Tesla power later on in the future. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. But right. for now, not possible. Hey, everybody, this is Billy West from Futurama. Hi, how you doing? I hope you're doing lousy because I'm doing lousy. And I don't want anybody to be happy if I'm not happy. Now get me a sandwich with maggots on it. Hi, this is Zach Brannigan. You're listening to The Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM. Hi, and welcome back to 104.5 CVFM. You're with The Geek Show. We're talking past in past versus present. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I just got completely distracted. Me and Rob had a long discussion about Disgaea, which was, which was fun, of course. Unfortunate Disgaea 3. Harry loves Disgaea. I love Disgaea so much. You wouldn't believe. Sorry, you sounded uh, kind of you sounded you sounded kind of Jamaican for a second. <laughs> I love Disgaea. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poke that boat. That's a phrase. Deal with it. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> oh God! So we're in collectibles and toys now. Yes. Discussing like the differences in old and new toys. Because uh, well, like your generation actually had a lot less health and safety restrictions in your toys, didn't you? Oh God, yes. Because like you had things made of metal and. Just over the years, let, I remember let, things getting let, let banned as I went to I, school. I look, I look at the modern. Let's take Transformers as just the uh, just the first example. I look at the modern Optimus Prime, and I'm going, "Why?" Hmm. You know, my Optimus Prime was made of metal and plastic. He wasn't made of like just plastic. Great home invasion weapons. Oh God, yes. Especially didn't my Optimus Prime had weight. He had purpose. <laughs> you know, you yes. could chuck him at another kid's head, and he would do damage. <laughs> <laughs> which, which ultimately, for, for an Optimus Prime, that's what you want to do. Uh, it wasn't just Optimus Prime. You know, the Transformers <laughs> movie, the the animated one. Right? Oh yeah, with all the Optimus. The, ac- the actual good one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you remember uh, the uh, the after Prime dies, he gives the Matrix to uh, to his friend. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, the white truck. Spoilers, but yes. Right. It's it, it was a movie from the nineties. If you haven't seen it by now, and you're I a fan know, of Transformers. It shouldn't be you know. Then shame on you. Say, I haven't seen it. Be- <laughs> oh, I don't want to see it. He doesn't. Yeah, see, he's just said he doesn't want to see it, so he doesn't care about spoilers. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Even even as late as that, the the cab was still made of metal. Mm-hmm. You know, they had like the big trailer with all the bits inside it, you know, and roller and everything like that. They had all these little add-ons and stuff like that. Jazz, for example, actually turned into a proper Porsche 959. Hmm. Nice. And it was a metal body on it. You know, like the, you know, like the Matchbox cars and, you know, Hot Wheels and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, how they used to be. You know, with proper metal bodies. He actually had a proper metal body and I was like, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And nowadays, my generation was the one that grew up with having to wear goggles when playing Conkers. Yes. Yes, you have to wear goggles if I you're playing in, Conkers. I was in like year 11 when it happened, so I was just, just on the cusp. I thought I was more recent than that. No, you'd think. It was the, uh, 
scouts and uh, that lot not being able to roast sausages for fear of fat spitting everywhere was uh, after after me though. That was Australia <laughs> will be ashamed of us. They are ashamed of they us. That's why they don't us. want us. <laughs> well, yeah. we lack That's a, a completely unrelated. Australia is a very masculine uh, country. Yeah, we are not welcome over there. Uh, I'm sorry, buses. but uh, I'm sorry, but right now Australia considers us as like the embarrassing old uncle that you don't want to come visit during Christmas time. Well, that's what we are to a lot <laughs> because he smells, it, a bit, you know, because he talks about the war and smells a bit funny, which is embarrassing <laughs> because that's what America is to us. So I'm wondering what America is to Australia. Like double that. No, we're the, we're also that to America as well. Yeah, uh, America is the crazy drunk uncle. Yeah, America is the crazy it drunk uncle. Every they send Mexicans in on buses to ruin our schools. No, granddad. He just comes in and ruins every function by shouting at everybody. That's, That's a Hannah Hart quote for those who are wondering. She's awesome. See, but the Americans take that sort of reputation, but obviously a lot of them haven't been to Middlesbrough on a Saturday night. Yep. <laughs> but then again, it's more like the drunk, like, not so old. Hmm. It's just like a street that's like in Night of the Living Dead or something. Absolutely. Because it's a, like, all you can hear is like the groans of people who've dropped their lighters. And in peril and tra- torture because they dropped the chips on themselves. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit like a low-budget student horror film, just the moans. They're not okay. very enthusiastic. I think you just said the most ugly phrase in the world, student horror film. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, does not just bring warm bodies. To that's mind. how. That's it. Oh. <laughs> warm bodies is actually really good. So I've heard that. I heard it really snuck up, and did, I, would, yeah. I was surprised considering it was marketed like Twilight. But it seems to actually be. It does, it's it, funny, is the point. Right? It does fill funny. in that sort of gap, but it's funny for zombie fans, and it pre- it's it's nice for fans of Twilight as well. Yeah. So it's nice middle ground there. Okay. I may have to check it out. My only real problem with it currently is that God, the woman on the poster is shopped to be thin. Like, she is painfully skinny. Like a microphone stand. It's, it's got Nicholas Holt in it, and I like Nicholas Holt. Oh, yeah, Nicholas Holt is good. There we go, Harry. Anyway, back on topic. <laughs> Enough Sorry. of one body. You can read, read Rob's review of it on the website. Um, you should have UK. Yes. Uh, plug. Just a quick reminder before, uh, before we do talk collectibles and toys. Uh, we do have competition today. You can win a uh, copy of Metal Gear, so- Metal Gear Rising. Revengeance. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is thanks to MHP Communications, Voltage PR, Konami, and Game. You know, the High Street Soul Game. <laughs> uh, Hideo Kojima and uh, Yoji Shinkawa are going to be at the Game in White City at midnight on Thursday, the twenty-first of February, mm-hmm. for an exclusive live Q and A session. They will also be serving the first two hundred customers in the queue with their their copy of the game, mm-hmm. photo opportunities, all sorts of things. There's a post about it at the top of the website. Have a look. Mm-hmm. And Have there's a also read a bit. page. There's links to their own articles on it. It's all there for you to find if you yes. miss any details. So just I, check it out. I've just got to ask while we're on topic. What's a revengeance? Are you getting revenge for a second time? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, is, is it something else? It's just a word that I don't understand. I think it's just one of those mashed up words. Okay. It's it's English. English makes for cool titles. In no, Japan. no, it's just... It's a, like it's Ground just, Zeroes. It, it, it's just a mash, mashed up word. It's revenge and vengeance together. Ha, have you ever actually been on oh, uh, yeah, english.co.uk? No, I didn't know there was it, a site. It, It's actually a website of like things which are spelt horrifically wrong in some cases. That'd be cool. Oh, don't, don't, don't. I, 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 I watch enough anime as it is. I've seen plenty. <laughs> I've seen Sayuki Western Django, which is a Western sp- acted out by 
Japanese actors speaking English. Yes. Which is pretty painful. It oh, is. And wow. it's got oh, Tarantino it's all in painful. there, obviously. Um, anyway, Terrible. back on topic. Um, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Yes. yes. Tarantino in English. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd have to be lost in translation, too. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it might work Bill, Mur- Bill Murray back. strikes back. <laughs> no, Bill Murray is Godzilla. Practicals and toys. Here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing that always confuses me when we do this section: is that you own a lot of stuff, Rob. Actually, I don't. You do. I don't. You get, you get given a lot of game stuff. You've collected a lot of things over the years, and I just wonder if, like, normal folks, you like normal myself, because he's not normal. He's weird. Oh, he's so not, are you? <laughs> I'm not about to include Mr. Mr. Music over there. What? I was going to say, <laughs> Mr. What? He is the music man. He comes from far away. Yeah. What does he play? And you can play. Yeah, I know. I was about to sing that as well. <laughs> you can play the YouTube button. And so <laughs> but you ha- you understand collector mentality. Yes, you I have do. a lot of things. You understand collectibles and toys. Yes. For normal people like me and Israel, for example, yep. and oh, get, oh he, he changed. I, was <laughs> say, I just had to turn my head. Okay, that's fine. You're, you're that's... next to me, dude. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that everyone's a collector in some respect? Yes, I'm I do. I feel so. Okay, See, how, here's the how thing, come? right? Um, when you're a kid, this is when you this is when your collecting thing starts, right? When you're a kid and you're in school, you will collect something, right? You will do it for uh, because either you like these things. It could mm. be seashells, it could be stones, it could be anything, and it'll be completely innocent. And you won't, uh, you know, it'll just be because you like it. That's it. Yeah, most likely it'll be TV related things like Transformers or Power Rangers or My Little Pony. No, no, or those Barbie are toys. I'm talking about collector collecting. Oh right, okay. Right, toys is something slightly different, mm-hmm. right? See, toys you can collect toys, but that doesn't make you a collector of toys. And this is the thing, right? Just because you had, like, just because, say say some girl has the entirety of Barbie when she's a kid, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't make her a collector of Barbie because, as you said, Harry, you have to understand that you are a collector. Yeah, I said the two main facts of good collecting are, one, you have to be able to get them on your own initiative. You can't just be gifted them by your mum every Christmas. Exactly. Like snow globes. Oh, no, no, you can and still be a collector. I, I still think that it's a bit... But you also have to, to have the facility to get them yourself. Yes, because you get them yourself. And the ability to acknowledge that that is what you are. Yes. Um, which is one of the reasons why kids... But the thing is, when you're a kid, most kids these days, you know, they collect stuff like football stickers. Mm-hmm. You know, or they collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards or stuff like that. These trading card games are collectible games. You collect them and you trade them. Yeah. You know... Uh- this is the thing. So you have like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that. These days, it's actually more difficult not to be a collector hmm. of something than it is to you know than it is to be a collector. You do it because you know you either like it or you want to fit in with the other kids, and it grows from there. Hmm. And when you become uh, no, you collect CDs. You no, have a CD collection. That's not a CD collection. It's just the collection's collective word to have lots of stuff. Really, I collect it. Really? This is the thing that I said with Rob earlier, is that I don't consider myself a games collector because I use all the stuff. I don't have any on a shelf looking pretty. The only time I actually bought a game physically recently yeah, but, was Skyrim, uh, well, and that was because I didn't want to my, lose my it question, because my I question wanted then, it. Hang on, my Ironic, question considering then, you had to get it over Steam anyway. My question then, because I know, I, I know several collectors who use everything in their collection, mm-hmm. and they are still collectors. Well, doesn't that just mean like the, the stuff that they've got is just losing value? No, they 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 basically buy two copies. They buy one to keep and keep sealed, and they play the other. That's a collector. Yeah, I don't mm. even do that. 
Somebody uh, who likes movies and buys DVDs is not a collector. They just like movies and they want something yeah. at hand. I, I think you're getting your but that, definitions no, muddled. I, I, well, I don't think I am mm-hmm. because well, you're thing- still collecting them. They're still on your shelf, mm-hmm. and when people walk mm-hmm. into your house, they can still see them. The thing that I used as an example earlier is that uh, a gardener gets a lot of gardening tools. Doesn't yeah. mean he's a collector of gardening tools. No, but he does. Uh, ho- he, they ho- that's a hoarder, not a collector. I agree with Harry, hundred percent. Yeah. So, do you guys actually? I am. Man. <laughs> would you guys say that you don't actually collect anything then? What was that, sorry? Would you guys actually say that you don't actually collect anything then? Well, I collect DVDs, DVDs and movies because I'm a movie nerd. But I wouldn't say in the same terms that you're a collector. I just want stuff at hand. Let's, let's draw the line here between someone that has stuff, yeah. collects stuff and hoards stuff. Every time we go to a convention, we get given some kind of press pass or some kind of wristband or entry thing. Yeah. And I keep all of those in a drawer. What does that make me? Uh, that would put you in the category of a hoarder. <laughs> well, it is, yeah. So is it the is a hoarder definitely where you can sit atop them like a dragon and just go, my precious thing? Yes, it's okay. basically Gollum. Prob- oh, God, I'm Gollum <laughs> convention stuff. Your convention Gollum. Uh, no, I've met that guy. He's creepy as old bus. Sidestep. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I tried to think of a censorship method, and I was like, desert bus, where they just use bus instead of swear words. Like, that doesn't make sense here, dude. <laughs> just sidestep it. <laughs> no, right. along from that fantastic segue. Yes. <laughs> so, ooh, we have a... We have a no, we don't. Uh... <laughs> so, sorry, it must be my tinnitus. Strange side effects. Yes. Anyway, um, so yeah, that would, make, that would put you in the category of a hoarder, because, uh, because it's something that... Uh, uh, by the broadest definition, it's something that you treasure mm-hmm. and you don't want to get rid of because it's linked to a memory of something. Yeah, right. really, I don't. That is what that's actually what hoarders do, mm-hmm. right? A collector doesn't really care about memories or anything like that. They want it because they want it. Ah, I see. Right? This, this is the this is the thing. They want it because they want it. It's that simple for a collector. It's not because they like it. It's not because they're going to play it or enjoy it. It's because, simply because they want it. Mm-hmm. And that is what actually defines somebody, uh, the, a collector. Yeah, I like to keep my press passes and wristbands because they're memories of me going to that event. Exactly. I keep, I keep okay. stuff like that. It's, that. You know, it's something that's linked to your past. Yeah, yeah I do exactly the same with like, gigs and stuff. Like, you're tons you're of... all stupid. You've got a brain. <laughs> it's called a memory. Use it. Mine is atrocious, though. I'm genuinely wondering if I have mental problems related to memory. <laughs> this, is, this isn't... Like, the, seriously. Life isn't memento, you know. You don't need to tattoo everything that ever happened to you on your skin. I think I might have to start doing that, though. <laughs> be yeah. careful Be careful what you put on it, though. Like, don't use, like, names of girlfriends. No, no, no. That could be a different I might, I might have to put it in code. <laughs> or just one one... Don't use binary. Jesus. No, no, no. <laughs> It'll take you eight lines to use the word science. You know, it's... Seven lines. One with an exclamation mark. No, QR codes. <laughs> QR codes. What if the what if the domain gets taken down? You'll have a dead QR code on yourself. Could you live with that, Rob? Could you live with it? It's not that. I've just been thinking of, right, uh, human body. Okay, no, you don't want a QR code there. You don't want a QR code there. <laughs> if you had a shaved head, you could shave a QR code into your hair. Well, you're basically talking Agent 47 now, aren't you? Yeah, the the barcode, yeah. yeah. With the Hitman, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Actually, speaking of that, they are kind of about rebooting that movie. Oh? Yeah. 
I'll just leave it at that. It doesn't deserve to have any more. Very quickly. Fair enough. Very quickly, right? The point about this, uh, is everyone a a collector of something, is that when... uh, These days, it's much easier to be a collector. Yeah. Right? Especially when you're a kid, when you're in school. It's easier to collect something now than it is to collect nothing. Yeah. But it was much more difficult back when I was a kid because, you know, things like like Optimus Prime, they were these unique things. Mm -hmm. Very few people had them. And I don't know, what was it like with you guys when you guys were at school? Well, the thing about trading card games is they're meant to be purchased en masse. Well, I mean, not just trading card games. I know, but, but that's what you know, I kind of yeah. had. I had Yu-Gi-Oh! and then I had Duel Masters for a very, very short period. All right, because you guys... I had, are, Digi- yeah. I had Digimon, but no one understood how to play it because the manual didn't tell you. And then I had... Uh, and then it was Yu-Gi-Oh! actually. Yeah, started I thought with Pokemon. it was po- I thought it been, I was going to say, I thought it would have started with Pokemon. started with Pokemon. But Pokemon's like a really small kids card game. Then you move yeah. on to Yu-Gi-Oh!, which is a children's card game. Uh, as the abridged series says, Magic the Gathering is then a teenagers and above card game, and then you get into poker. But poker you don't actually collect. Yeah. Unless you want to get really fancy sets, like Nelda on DeviantArt actually does like Zelda-themed ones. Nelda is amazing. Check him out. What about you, Rob? What about me, Rob? Did you collect anything when you were at school? Premier League stickers. Football stickers, yeah. Uh, the classic. Yeah. Well, I have do. no fond memories of it. It's just something that happened. Uh, Israel? Um, when I was in school, my, my uh, biggest collection was wrestling figures, definitely. Well, I had that oh, too. man fights, as Harry calls them. <laughs> I know. I just think, like, oh, my God, people have to look back at their memories and go, I had little action figures that were fully posable of men in Speedos when I was tiny. <laughs> but the thing is, though, Why did I have that? The thing is, though, it was all right, because a lot of the other people that were in my classes uh, were collecting parents. Like, one kid had, like, five dads. There we go. It's where, out there. Where are you from again? Southside? No. <laughs> Teesside. Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with animation and graphic literature and the competition. Stay tuned for the question that could win you a copy of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Hi, this is Private Dick Simmons from the popular web series Red vs. Blue, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Sarge approved. Hi, and welcome back to 104.5 CVFM. You're with... Uh, the Geek Show. I was about to say literary loitering. Uh, <laughs> Dude, don't you know us? We've been sharing this room for an hour and a half. Two hours for the past two and a half years. Coming on three years now. Coming on three years, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, then they have to get bigger cakes. Bottle <laughs> yeah, cakes. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. Geek Show Bottle cakes. cakes. Yeah, Geek we Show should, cakes. We should run an Indiegogo for £10 to buy ourselves a cake. <laughs> we should actually do those uh, If you want to donate £10 for us to have a cake... For our third birthday. Send PayPal towards studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we have a guest. Ooh. Yes, we have a guest. Um, who was running late, apparently. Yes, hello, guest 709. We're, uh, we'll add you to the list of people tuning in. Uh, there's lots of people tuning in today, actually, for this Revengeance competition. Wow. Yeah, uh, well, the word has spread actually... like wildfire. Mm, it's getting very good. Yes. But we are, unfortunately, not there yet. Ah. We haven't got to the question yet. Uh, we're oh, in animation. Is newer really better? <laughs> oh, in animation? No. Yes. <laughs> Visually, yes, because some old anime is bad. Depends on the generation. It's yeah. on the animation studio, because what, Nausicaa's 1979, and that's a handsome film. Yeah, Nausicaa's, bro. Well, no, sure. you look at some Nausicaa stuff. was 1980, uh, 1981. No, I've not but, heard that one before. But you look at some stuff from the 80s. I mean, even, I think Dragon Ball is ugly, frankly. 
I just don't like Akira Toriyama's animation. I hate his animation and sense of humour. Like, he kills Dragon Quest for me. It varies. It varies. You can't say yes, you can't say no. I, it depends on the person in right. particular who's Yeah, exactly. There, who's are some the old, there are some old anime and cartoons which are gorgeous, but there are some which like Escaflone. Now, Escaflone has some very good bits to it. I will say, I'm not dissing Escaflone here. I just want to diss the noses. Uh, uh, no, no, Harry, you know my opinion of the noses. They terrify me. Exactly. They haunt me in the night. The noses <laughs> are so... Weird. No, it's no. like they have a single hedgehog spike out of their face. It's ironic you say that because uh, my mate Wayne, he's he doesn't really like anime or anything like that. He's just browsing and uh, he's browsing through the e forums, and somebody suggested Escaflone as, as an anime that was di- a must watch. So he, he rings me up. He says, "Yeah, I've been suggested this to watch. Uh, you know, it's called Escaflone." I just lo- I just went silent for about thirty seconds and said, "No." He went. Really? I said, yes. You, they, will, they will terrify you. He goes, what will terrify me? I said, the noses. The noses. The noses will scare you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like everybody was like, everybody had a parent that was a woodpecker. <laughs> this year, they came from the past to haunt your futures. If you've ever visited... The noses. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever visited an Arab country, noses no longer fear <laughs> what? Yeah. No, no, noses won't scare you if you visit an Arab country. Oh, I, I see, totally yeah. agree. I went uh, to Cairo and now I have no phobia of noses. <laughs> the true windows on the soul. <laughs> I, I think it's called rhinophobia, isn't it? Or something like that. Rhinophobia? Uh, it's like it's like rhinoplasty. I was going to say, I thought there'd be the much more understandable fear of rhinos. <laughs> Which I can see, you know. Yeah, I think it's just pointy protrusions from your fa- from your face. <laughs> what for people who like Usopp is the worst figment of their nightmares. Now Usopp works. This is the thing. Usopp's Usopp works. Like the least scary thing ever but to exist. Th- but the thing is, Usopp works even with the long nose because his long nose gets broken. Uh, oh God! One, yeah. Somebody else had a scarier nose. I just can't remember the name from one place. The one with the giraffe. Oh the yes, guy with yes. Robot, the Galila company. Yeah. Oh yeah, from CP9. Um, yeah. Nose guy. Nose yeah. giraffe guy. We'll call him giraffe guy. We know who you're on about. Anyway, um, I'm just going to say three shows from last year, right? Looked good. Awful storylines. Awful characters. Um, well, two. I'll spe- I'll specifically just say two. The two biggest releases of last year: Guilty Crown and Sword Art Online. Looked good. Looked good. Animation quality in Sword Art Online wasn't that good. Guilty Crown looked the business. It really did. They 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 basically they wasted so much money on the production. They took his words away. Yeah, they did. It was awful. It was it was basically oh, this is a bit from this. Uh, you know this this series was famous for this. This series was famous for this. So let's take all of those ideas, put them all in one show, and pretend it's original. We'll cover it in pretty shiny packaging that mo- that uh, that's really, really, really stunningly animated. Give it some amazing special effects, and then oh yes, the fallout happened, and the fallout, the backlash from Guilty Crown was amazing because people hated it Tim. almost on mass. If you like Guilty Crown, uh, the the current the, the current belief is if you like Guilty Crown. You should seek professional help. I think it's just become a lot easier and cheaper to make really gorgeous anime. Like, Angel Beats was gorgeous. It was shiny and pretty and glittery and CG. And I still don't understand why people like Angel Beats. I, I'm just saying the graphics are good. The graphics are really nice. Compared to Hibana Renme? No, they aren't. Mm, not seen that one. Oh, well, sorry. sorry, what are you saying? Right. Are you finished? Uh, I was just saying it's pretty, but there's, you know, style over substance. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will just fly the flag for Korean animators. I mean, Korea... Oh, yes. Korea pretty much animates everything. If you watch the, Sims, the credits of The Simpsons, Family Guy, whatever, they animate it. But stuff that's specifically Korean, like uh, You'll Be the Five-Tailed Wolf. You'll that, Be the Five-Tailed Fox. That's the one. That's... Uh, fantastically gorgeous stuff but it's this, it's, it's just surface isn't it what it looks yeah. like it, it, it doesn't really matter it's the story yeah because uh, Inuyasha Yobi, looks awful but it's fun Yobi's actually got a pretty decent story though mm. Manwa uh, has really come into its own in these past few years actually. oh yeah it's Manu- really spreading popularity too the uh, thing is uh, there is another one from Korea which uh, I really like it's, ver- it's a lot simpler in terms of animation and art style but it's a really brilliant film it's uh, My Beautiful Girl Mary and it's it's a, it's an amazingly told story, hmm. you know. But uh, not many people who watch anime know about it because oh, it's not Japanese. In that case, really, what considering th- how difficult it was for you to write the uh, the best anime, of still writing it. Oh God! In that case, would you suggest people actually try checking out Manwa? I would suggest that you try, try checking out. Horizons. I would su- I would suggest that you get off your high horse, right? All of you people who think, oh, it doesn't look good. I don't want to watch it. Oh, wah, 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 wah. Get, get over yourself, right? Modern anime is not classic, right? The reason why we don't consider it classic and why people it say the golden some, age. It has some classics. It has some classics, but, but people, people consider mid-90s anime to be the golden age of anime is because that? more anime came out during the mid-90s that could be put into the category mm. of, you know, of a defining a genre I, I will than... Just... In any other time. I will say that mid-90s stretched to the turn of the century, like 2000, 2002. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mid-90s stretched to the, stretched to the millennium. But since then, it's been... It's been awful. About, it's been yeah. fan service and God knows what not. Yeah. It's also the thing that anime, even more than films, relies so much on tropes. Yes. Like, they are repeated so much. Like, how often has there been a protagonist who has a massive appetite? I will just say Why this. would you include that at this point? No, no, no. All Even more so this. than that. How often has there been a, been a male protagonist who is a teenaged high school student who has no redeeming qualities and is a little bit clumsy and has a tendency to have, have uh, you know, fall on, fall on girls or have them fall on his face? Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was, I was... How many of those come out every single year? I think anime has gotten like rap music. In the oh, rap music well, now, I'm, they no, don't... sorry, sorry, no, no. Rap music now doesn't actually want... Well, for the past few years, hasn't actually wanted anything different or mold-breaking. They just want more things about oh, no, women no. abuse, sorry, sex, no. and money-having. You're just looking no, at no, mainstream that's, 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 words, that's mainstream rap. Mm-hmm. That's mainstream that's rap. I, only, I know it's only mainstream. There's loads of other people out there who are great, like Baba Brinkman, etc. However, I think anime is doing the same problem, where it's like, what should we make? What sells? Only what sells. We only need no. to make what sells. No, so that's why it's always is, in high school. They're not making what sells. What they're making is stuff for kids who have no money and the hardcore otaku who have too much money and very little sense. Right? None of them actually care about the health of the industry or the future of the industry. Mm-hmm. And the industry itself doesn't seem to care about its own future. True. Clearly they don't. And the reason is because they're using old tropes for the sake of making something they think will work because it worked in the past. They're not trying to make anything new. Yes. That's the problem. Yes. It's stagnating so hard. The thing is, my number, uh, if I had to choose, uh, before, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, if I had to choose a show to watch from last year, it would have to be the second series of Fate Zero because it had everything. True, that I wanted. It, it had originality. It had brilliant uh, production values. You know, superior to just about any other show out last year. I am talking. We're talking like movie quality mm-hmm. in every episode. Even Tumblr's found it really hard to brag about new anime, and Tumblr loves bragging. 
Oh, yeah. God, and so gifts. damn much. Yeah, and, and gifts. gifts. And kittens and occasionally porn. And the thing is about Tumblr, I think the only <laughs> two it's able to even brag about from last year has been Bacano and Tiger and Bunny. And that's it. That's all. Yeah, and they didn't have anything else. And Tiger and Bunny was in my, was in my top ten of the year before. Mm. Yeah, and Bacano's even older. Yeah, Bacano's even, even older. It seems to have a resurface of popularity somehow. Yes. Anyway, um, we are coming to the end of the show. Um, we do have the Metal Gear Rising Revengeance competition. The question to answer, guys and girls, is this. Who voices, in the English version of the Metal Gear games, who voices the character of Solid Snake? Which actor vo- uh, supplies the voice in the English version of the Metal Gear games for Solid Snake? Yes, now, I there is only one answer to this. Mm-hmm. We will not accept any alternatives. Yes, and we do want, actually, the correct spelling of his name. Even though it's really not that hard to spell. Even though it's really not that hard to spell. People just tend to disbelieve it because it's an awesome name. Well, it's not just that. It is actually spelt a little differently to how you think. Oh, oh, sorry. I... Yes. Hints aside. Hints aside. His name contains letters. Yes. It's very easy <laughs> to Google this, so there should be no excuses for wrong answers like last time. Indeed. If you want to be <clears> in <throat> to win this copy of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, send your answers to studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. Uh, start your subject line with uh, Revengeance Competition so we know what it's about and we can yes. organize them all nice and neatly. You'll be put into a prize draw and one of you will win at random. And yes. what console is this copy on? PlayStation 3. She never mentioned that. Yes, that's a very good. Great point. Thank you. <laughs> PlayStation 3. Also, send us like your name and address so we can send it to you. That really helps. Yes. And just a quick reminder for everybody, um, Hideo Kojima is going to be at the game in White City on, at midnight on Thursday, the 21st of February. He's doing a live Q&A, and he's also going to be serving the first 200 customers mm-hmm. in the queue their copy of the game, him and Yoji Shinkawa. And there's going to be photo opportunities. You might even get signed copies off the man himself. We don't know. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on there. People are encouraged to go in cosplay or even just wearing a cardboard box. Um, yes. Right. Uh, and yes, uh, Game are wanting to have fun with this. We will be at Animex next week uh, on Monday and Thursday. So if you're at Animex, come and give us a shout. Uh, you know, have a chat with us. We'll be around uh, with a video camera this time. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, this has been The Geek Show. So thank you very much to all of our listeners. The yes. itself, to Konami and Game. For and and thank you. PR and MHP Communications. And thank you to Mika Cheese Yum Yums. Go to www.mikacheeseyumyums.com to find out more about her adorable Pac-Man cakes. Yes. Oh, yeah! <laughs> this is like my favorite part of this episode. Right. <laughs> Remember, the question for the competition is... In the English versions of the Metal Gear games, who voices Solid Snake? We will see you again next week for more Geekery.
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.